Hello and welcome to Season 3 of the Community Health Cast from the Queen's Community Health Board in Queen's County, Nova Scotia. Good morning to my partner in podcasting, Elizabeth Bailey. Um, how are you doing? Welcome to Season 3. Can you believe it? It's great. I can't believe it. It feels like we just came up with this idea yesterday. We always just kind of make it sound like we just came up with it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it always sounds like we came up with it yesterday. No, we're doing a great job with the podcast, and I'm doing great. How are you, Deb? Pretty good. I'm super excited because one of my favorite things about being part of the Queen's Community Health Board is our wellness funds, and it's wellness fun time again. Now, some of our listeners are already familiar with wellness funds, and probably some are not. So, Elizabeth, why don't you tell everybody why it's such an exciting time of year? Give the folks a review of... What is a wellness fund? Sure thing, Deb. So wellness funds are startup funds for new projects that address population health. Uh, And I'll explain what that is in a minute. They're grants that we give on the Community Health Board to nonprofits and schools and municipalities and First Nations groups. They're available all over the province of Nova Scotia because... Every area in the province is served by a community health board. But just as communities are different, so are the health plans that guide our work because different areas may have different priorities. So here in Queens County, we're part of the Western Zone. And when we created our most recent health plan, all 11 community health boards in the Western Zone agreed that we had pretty similar priorities in here in our part of the province. So we decided to combine our efforts into a zone health plan. And we'll talk more about that health plan and the process of creating it in a different podcast episode. But for right now, I'll tell you that we have four main priorities, and those are one, food security, two, affordable housing, three, community connections, which is another way of saying fighting isolation, and four, recreation and wellness. So if you're listening to this podcast and you live outside the Western Zone, you can find the priorities for your area on our website at communityhealthboards.ns.ca. You had mentioned earlier that things are a little different. So the the necessary steps, some of the necessary steps are a little bit different this year. Tell us what's different for 2021-22. Well, first, I'll start by saying that last year was a really different year because last year, because of COVID, we uh, prioritized programs that addressed needs arising out of COVID. And we had also raised the limit that people could ask for, right? Like in a regular year, people could ask for $3,000. Last year, people were allowed to ask for $10,000. And we really, we gave fewer grants out and we gave bigger grants. And those were all for programs that were responsive to needs arising out of COVID. This year, we, yeah, <laughs> this year, we're most of the way back to normal in terms of what we're doing with the wellness funds. Uh, so that priority is really back on our, you know, so the focus is really back on our four main priorities that I just outlined. Uh, And the asking limit is different, too. So instead of going back to 3,000, now the asking limit is 5,000. However, 
I think it would be pretty unusual circumstances that we would give more than $3,000 for a grant. So if that's something you think you're going to ask for, you're, you're going to have to really uh, convince the board that you need that money. But it is possible to ask for up to $5,000. And the other really important thing that is different this year is that the deadline, well, for one thing, the deadline's always on October 15th, and it's still on October 15th. But instead of being at midnight on October 15th, the deadline is now at 5 p.m., and that deadline is set in stone. I just want to make sure as many people as possible hear that. Because in years past, we get an awful lot of grants in those hours between 5 p.m. and midnight. I know people mean to write them ahead of time, and it's always best to write them ahead of time, but people get busy. All of a sudden, the deadline comes up on you, and people stay late and burn that midnight oil to get her done before midnight. I really want to make sure people know that it has to be in by 5 p.m. or Unfortunately, we just can't consider it, and I really don't want anyone to get left out in the cold. No, of course you don't, Elizabeth. And let's face it, I know that when I have a deadline, I'm going to use every minute. Five o'clock deadline on October 15th. So wellness fund grants are really only for one year of funding for any of these new programs. What happens after that? Oh, yeah, that's a good question, Deb. Really, right, like you said, the point of the Wellness Fund is to give new ideas, new projects a chance to get launched off the ground and prove that they have the power to get out there in the community and do good. And, you know, ideally, you have a Wellness Fund grant for one year, that project launches, it does really well, you want to keep running it, but you need to find funding for subsequent years. So when you're looking for that money for the second or third or fourth year of a program, you're going to want to look at other grants. And all of the coordinators, including myself, are more than happy to help you with that. We keep lists of grants that are appropriate for wellness fund projects that are good sources of funding in case you need to top up your funding above what you get for the wellness fund for the first year and for all of those subsequent years. And in fact, I would really encourage you to be thinking about that before you need it and even make that part of your application for wellness funds. Say, we plan to succeed. And then after we succeed, here are some of the funding sources we're looking at for our second year, for our third year. Show the board that you're really thinking through what's going to happen in the future. That's going to impress them when they're looking at your application. Excellent points you're making there, because I know that I've had the privilege over my last, it'll be my sixth year doing wellness grants with the Community Health Board. And that is really one of the things that we really look at. But it's also looking at what are your plans for sustainability of this particular project. And it is really awesome, Elizabeth, that a lot of the work has been done. Do you have this wonderful list that you can use as a resource for some of these projects or many of these projects that we haven't really had before? This is fairly new the past few years as you've been compiling this list of grants. Isn't that right? That's right. And in fact, that list is bigger than better than ever this year. In previous years, we organized a list of all of the grants that the people in our department already knew about or that wellness fund applicants had told us about. This year, we added a bunch of grants that we found on this wonderful database called Grant Connect. And I would say that if you don't find the right funding opportunity for you on the list we keep, Grant Connect is probably the best place to go to look for funding because it's a database of tens of thousands 
of funding opportunities across Canada and also some from the U.S., but it's really pretty Canada-focused. You can access Grant Connect through Halifax Public Libraries. The good news is that anybody who lives in Nova Scotia is qualified to get a Halifax Public Libraries card. You don't need to live in HRM. And you can apply for one online and get your library card number online. And right now, you can use that number to access Grant Connect online. So you can do it all from your home. You don't even have to visit Halifax to do it. And then you can look for search terms for things that are a perfect match for you on that database. And that's something that a coordinator would be happy to help you with. That's fantastic because if we didn't have that as a resource, it does cost money to get involved with Grant Connect otherwise, does it not? I think it's about $5,000 a year to subscribe to the database. So we're really lucky that the library can do that. So Elizabeth, let's talk a little bit about what kind of applications wouldn't qualify for a wellness fund. Okay, great. Sure. So wellness funds are project funds. So you have to think about, you know, what's a project? If you're working with people in the community to teach them a new skill or to make some sort of change in society, that's probably a project. If you're building a fence around your playground or creating a walking trail, that's not a project. That's a capital expense. I've had to turn down applications that were for capital expenses, even when it was obvious that the applicant planned to use the structure they were building for a program. And they could have written an application for that program and listed the capital expense as a program cost. But that's not how they wrote the application. And therefore, unfortunately, we couldn't consider it. So this is probably a good time for me to say that I and all the other coordinators are more than happy to look at a draft application ahead of time. Don't send us a draft application on October 14th or 15th. But if you can get something to us by the beginning of October, then we would really ask that you do that. But even even if you just have a rough draft, you can send it to a coordinator. We will read it over and provide you feedback. And that's exactly the kind of feedback that you might get. That is, you need to frame this as a program, and then any expenses are part of that program, right? So we can make sure that you write the best application possible. And I also think it's important to mention that, you know, we're not judging people's ability to write a grant well. You know, there are professional grant writers out there who know just how to say things, and we don't expect that. And we know we're not going to get that from people who are running local programs in our local communities. And we don't really care if you're a great writer. We just want to know what you're planning to do for your program. And we're evaluating the program and not the writing. And we're more than happy to make sure that you're getting what you need to have in your application in there. We just really want to help you do a great job. It's also important to note that wellness funds can't be used to pay for operational costs or core funding fundraisers, or awareness campaigns. So we don't pay for the salary of employees of an organization unless you're bringing someone in on a contract just for the project, right? So let's say you are doing a crock pot cooking class with isolated seniors in your community. And if you're an organization who has somebody who can already do that and teach that kind of thing and does it as part of their job, then our grant can't be used to help pay their salary. However, if you don't have somebody in your organization who does that kind of work and 
you're contracting with somebody to come in just to run that program, in that case, it would be eligible. Why don't we talk now about who can apply for wellness funds? Okay, that's, yeah, that's a good question. So to be eligible for funding, you should be a nonprofit or community group, but you could also be a school or a municipality or a First Nations group. Uh, You don't need to be a registered charity, but you do have to have a bank account with the name of the organization that is applying, since that's who the check will be made out to. And we don't make checks out to individual people. If you're a community group and you're not registered and don't have a bank account, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't do a wellness fund project, but it does mean that you need to partner with a parent organization that can hold the funds for you. And in fact, I just got off the phone with somebody who's planning to do that here in Queens County. If you need help identifying an organization that would make a good partner for holding your funds, call your coordinator and ask for help. We probably know somebody who's a good match. Let's talk a little bit more about projects. What do they look like? Like, Let's hear some examples. Okay, yeah, let's talk about, uh, I'm going to pick on a couple that the Queens Community Health Board funded last year that I both thought were really particularly great. One of them was through the YMCA in Lunenburg County. They applied to both Lunenburg and Queens because they wanted to be able to offer their services to Queens County residents, and they work with youth. They had a cooking program with youth where they would deliver food and recipes to a person's house. The youth would cook I believe that they had some online videos to help with the cooking techniques to help people learn how to cook. And then the youth would cook a meal for their family. And it went really well. They had great uptake. A ton of people were involved in that program. And it was definitely something that helped people, you know, be connected and have something to look forward to when they were in lockdown during COVID. I thought that went really well. And I think it was really great for especially rural youth who were maybe feeling a bit isolated during COVID to have that connection. I have something to look forward to where they might actually have something tactile to do that connected them with other people. And they ate some great food. And the other program that I think I wanted to mention today was one organized by Elise Johnston. She's the accessibility coordinator for the municipality of Queens. And she put together a really terrific program involving people with a variety of disabilities in the arts and finding ways to make sculpture and dance and a whole bunch of other arts accessible to people who might not normally have an opportunity to go to a pottery class or a dance class or or sing in a choir And I think she worked really hard to find ways to make that accessible to people who had mobility issues or perhaps people who might be deaf or blind uh, or people who, for a variety of reasons, might be inhibited from participating in that program. But Elise is a fierce, fierce advocate for making things accessible for all members of the community. and, And she did a great job with that. The board was pretty excited about that one, too. Yeah, that was a good one. And Elise really is. She's a dynamo. So let's say that I have a great project idea and I want to apply. Let's talk about what's my next step and when do I need to get it done by? All right. Well, the first thing you're going to do is go to our website. That can tell you which CHB or CHBs to apply to. You can apply to more than one. 
If you have a project that serves more than one CHB catchment area, let's say here in our neighborhood, just like that Y was a good example. They do projects that serve people in both Lunenburg and Queens. And so they write a separate application to each CHB. And on that application, they say, I'm also applying to this other CHB. This is how much I'm asking for you. And this is how much I'm asking for from them. So once you have that application from our website, I want you to read it carefully and thoroughly before you start filling it out. The same way they tell you to read a whole recipe before you start cooking. Also, make sure you send it to the address the instructions tell you to send it to. Because if it goes to the wrong place, you may end up wasting your time. Uh, There are always people who send the application directly to me and it doesn't go directly to me. There are email addresses on the application and there's a different address for each zone. So you have to make sure you're sending it to the right one. And there's also a postal address for people who would like to mail in a paper application, which you absolutely can do if you prefer. Now, Elizabeth, please review what are the kinds of projects that are most likely to get funded. Okay, well, as I said, we generally give priority to projects that address the priorities in the health plan. But that's not to say that other projects wouldn't be considered. We look for projects that address the root causes of issues in society. So, for instance, not just providing food to people who are food insecure, but helping to connect them with resources for better employment and also advocating for better policies around food security. We talk a lot in the community health board world about going upstream, and that really means going to go find where does a problem begin. It doesn't begin with people being hungry. It begins way before that. We want people's needs to be met from the get-go. Elizabeth, let's go over some more things that you put in in a wellness grant application. Some of the high points, because I can think of some of the things that, as we mentioned before, that we want to see things like uh, who are you partnering with? So, yeah, you know, I would say be ready to talk about your goals and your outcomes. And the more specific details that you can give us about what it's going to look like, the better. So, for instance, you could say that you'll meet with participants every week. That gives us some idea of what you're going to do. It gives us a much better idea if you say we will meet with approximately 20 participants for five hours a week on both Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, right? Like that's a lot more specific detail um, that makes it easier for us to evaluate the program. You're also going to want to tell us which of our health plan priorities and the other factors. They're called the social determinants of health, and there's a whole explanation of what that means in our guidelines. But we want to know what social determinants of health your project addresses And you'll want to do a really good job, I would say, describing the population that you'll be serving. Is it people living in poverty in your community? Is it families living in poverty? Is it isolated seniors? Is it new mothers? Give us as much detail as you can. What other things are important to say? Okay, well, I think probably the most important thing and something that tends to be a weak spot on a lot of applications, just because it's confusing, is the budget. A lot of people, they will say, okay, well, I'm asking for $2,000 and here's how I think I'm going to spend that $2,000. And they put $2,000 worth of expenses in the budget and they say, there, I did it. However, what we find is that usually 
running a program costs a lot more than that. And a lot of people have partners that they're not even really thinking about. And you want to put anything that is donated to you in the budget and say, even though we're not paying for this, if we were going to pay for this, about how much do I think it would cost? And put that cost in there and then say that that cost is covered because it's been donated in kind. So let's say that you are running a program and you're going to be doing it in a a room at a church and the church is donating the use of that room. Well, if you were going to rent that room, what do you think the rent would cost? And put that number in there and then say, well, except we're not paying it because we have this donation in kind. Now you both have a better budget that shows a more accurate representation of what your program costs. And you also have a partner because the church that's donating a room to you is a partner in the program. The more that we know about what all those hidden costs are, the easier it is for us to evaluate. And if you think about it, I bet you're going to come up with a bunch of stuff, be that people are donating or helping out for free, and that should all go in the budget. And in case people don't know what the next step is already, what's the next step? You go on our website, communityhealthboards.ns.ca, download the application download the guidelines and read those all through. Now that you have all that information in your hands, what are you still confused about? Call your coordinator and ask them. They're all more than happy to help. I'm the coordinator for Queens County and Shelburne County, and you can reach me at 902-350-0478. But to be honest, just Throughout the province, and I'm especially fond of the folks here in the Western Zone who are on staff with me, you're spoiled for choice. We have great coordinators throughout the province, and here in the Western Zone, whether you're talking to me or Lisa or Clyde or Louise or Olivia, you're going to be talking to somebody who really wants to help you have a success. If you think you'd like to write a program and you've maybe you've got a few ideas and you're not sure which would be the best fit, you can call and talk about that. If you've settled on an idea and you just have a few questions about how to write the application, you can call to talk about that. If you've written a draft application and you'd like some feedback, you can call about that. And if you're ready to submit and you just want to check on a detail, you can call about that. Call anytime. Call several times. We are always here and happy to talk to you. Believe me. I'm going to be sitting in my office doing paperwork, and I would always much rather be talking to a person. Go ahead and call me anytime. So, Elizabeth, you have given us a ton of information. We've talked about a lot of stuff, and there are folks out there I'm sure are raring to go. Thank you, as usual. This is so much fun talking to you. And I want to say to our listeners, October 15th, 5 p.m. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening.